I'm Damian Bulwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, the most expensive ballot measure in California history passed this week with big implications for labor and for you if you use Uber or Lyft or any of the other ride-hailing services. To talk about that, Chronicle reporter Carolyn Saeed is here. She's been covering Prop 22 for a long time. Carolyn, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So, Carolyn, a, a pretty big moment and sort of surprising. There were some uh, prognostications that Prop 22 might fail because there were uh, labor forces that were pushing for drivers to be able to um, to be employees under Uber and Lyft. Were you surprised that it passed? I was surprised by that it passed by such a big margin because we had polls from independent researchers, the Berkeley IGS poll, which is very respected and impartial, that showed it was running well short of the 50% margin it needed it even just last week. However, those polls were conducted by email, so they're, they you know did have some limits in who they contacted. I think if you are listening to this podcast and you live in California, unless you have been you know on Mars for the last two months, you know lots about Prop 22 because anytime you turned on your TV, you saw a commercial for it. Even if you tried to fast forward through commercials, which I personally do, there they were. You were fast forwarding through them. Anytime you went to get mail, you had your mailbox was stuffed with glossy, expensive mailers for this. If you used Uber or Lyft or ordered um, a meal on DoorDash, you saw an ad for it in the app. If you drove for Uber, Lyft or DoorDash or the other companies, you also saw an ad for it in the app. So the 205 seven million dollars that the company spent brought them blanket coverage throughout California, just a constant barrage of advertising. And, um, you know, people heard their message loud and clear. The other side, the union side, raised 20 million dollars. So they were outspent by a margin of 10 to one, which is pretty considerable. In fact, they actually did very well to have gotten 42 percent of the vote, considering how massively outgunned they were. But they also did some smart things. They contacted every union household in California five to seven times with, you know, semi-personal contacts of either email, text, and um, mailers. Well, I don't know about you, Carolyn, but I have personally not hailed a ride uh, since the pandemic started. So obviously these are these are some companies that have been struggling, especially just in the straight ride hailing business. Um, but the big implication would have come with um, with it not passing, right? And 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 that could have could have affected Uber and Lyft's ability to even operate in California. Well, that's what the company said. We don't know if it was an idle threat or not, but they said loud and clear that if it did not pass, that they could leave California or severely curtail their service here. If it did not pass, that they would be forced to put drivers on rigid schedules and jettison about eighty percent of the drivers. We don't really know if any of that was true. Other researchers said that wasn't true, but you know, it's hard to know because this is all modeling. The companies say they know their business better than anybody. Um, I personally don't think, and I don't think anybody thinks that any company in its right mind would leave the world's fifth largest economy long term. But they very well could have pulled out of California for a month or two to make a point to try to, you know, get some negotiations to try to get more of what they wanted. Um, and they're still not off the hook. There are several lawsuits pr proceeding against them over driver status as employees. These lawsuits no longer would have the ability to force them to make drivers into employees, but they still have the ability to exact penalties for the time um, that drivers have not been employees looking back retroactively until Prop 22 takes 
effect, which will be in mid-December after it's certified by the Secretary of State. Okay. So had Prop 22 failed, obviously, with a lot of the legal fight going on, uh, what might have happened was that drivers would have to be full-time employees with all the benefits that employees get. Um, But aside from that, what else does Prop 22 do now that it's going to go into effect? So Prop 22 keeps the drivers as independent contractors. That is the most important thing to Uber and Lyft. It basically exempts them from AB5, California's new gig work law. It gives them some benefits and um, some earnings guarantees less than they would get as employees, but it still gives them something. So what it gives them is um, in terms of earnings guarantees, it guarantees them that they will make 120% of the local minimum wage during the time that they are engaged, meaning driving to pick somebody up or giving somebody a ride. They don't make any money for the time they are waiting, which if they were employees, they would make money for that time. It also gives them some um, reimbursement for mileage of 30 cents a mile, again, only for the time that they're engaged in driving to get a rider or giving the ride or driving to make a delivery or giving the delivery. The IRS rate, which um, the company would have to give to employees is 57.5 cents a mile. So almost double that. So that's the earnings part. It also gives them some benefits, but again, more limited than they would get as employees. The benefits, um, there, there is some stipend for healthcare coverage, but that's linked to how often they work um, over a quarter. And, and so they have to maintain a certain number of hours. If they work 15 hours a week of engaged time over a quarter, they get about half of um, a bronze covered California plan, which is about $45 a month. If they work, it's either 30 or 25 hours. That one I don't know off the top of my head. They get the full amount um, that an employer would give, which is about $85 a month. Okay, I want to ask you about the, the, the features of the new law, but let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm joined by reporter Carolyn Said. We're talking about Proposition 22, which was a big victory for Uber and Lyft and others who did not want to make their drivers and other employees full-time workers uh, who can get benefits and medical and all those things. So Carolyn, you know, the, the things that, that really angered, I think a lot of people that opposed, uh, 22 and, and our labor supporters are uh, one, you mentioned it, that you're only getting credit for time while you're driving, but we know, don't we, that people who drive for Uber and do ride hailing spend a lot of their time between fares. You have to, you have to have that travel time, right? They spend actually about a third of their time trolling the streets, waiting for a ride. So that's a third of their time uncompensated. What the companies would say is during that time, though, they could be doing other things. They could be reading a book. They could be taking their kid to school. They could have two or three apps on. So they're sort of working for two or, you know, two or three apps on to maximize the chances of their getting a um, a ride request. The other thing was that it, it requires, doesn't it, correct me if I'm wrong, but a seven-eighths majority to, to be reversed. Seven-eighths majority of the legislature. That is correct. And that is a huge, huge, huge hurdle. I mean, in California, I don't even know if you could get the legislature to, you know, um, pass something saying Happy Mother's Day with a seven-eighths majority. Even with the super democratic majority, you know, seven-eighths is just beyond the pale. It would be very, very, very hard to achieve that. So essentially, it is not possible to modify Prop 22. 
All right. Well, if we could, I'd love to broaden this for, for a minute. Carolyn, where, where does this fit in the context of this business? I mean, it, it, it's a business that, again, has been hit so hard by the pandemic. Um, the, the fares, as we know, have been pretty low and, and have undercut the taxi business um, for many years. Um, but, but the drivers have complained as well that, that it's very difficult for them to make a living. You know, is this business model going to work now? Um, is this fair to riders? Uh, what happens next? Those are great questions. And of course, the pandemic throws a giant wrinkle into it. Just, just like you, I have not taken an Uber or Lyft ride since the pandemic started. And, and that's true of many, many people. Um, but I think what happens next is this gives them a better chance of, of going on a path to sustainability and someday making a profit. If they had to pay those hundreds of millions of dollars of benefits and minimum wage and overtime and expenses, they, they said in their earnings reports that they probably couldn't do it. Um, as it stands, they've already made a ton of money. Their $200 million investment has paid off big time because Uber and Lyft today on Wall Street saw their stock shoot up and they made almost $10 billion in value. So the $200 million was just chump change compared to that. <laughs> um, it also has broader implications nationwide, though, for the future of work. This new category of gig worker has been increasing over recent years. You know, there's all kinds of gig workers and freelancers. And what Uber and Lyft are doing with this is trying to create, in its essence, a third category, a hybrid, a gig worker who has some of the benefits of employment. Other countries like Canada actually have this. It's called a dependent contractor. It does not exist in the U.S. We're very bifurcated. You're either in a, you know, a W-2 employee or a 1099 independent contractor here. But what these companies want is to have independent contractors with some benefits um, to, you know, keep them happy and, and, and fulfilled and also allow the companies to have a little more control over them. The reason they couldn't do that before Prop 22 was the second they start giving the, the workers benefits or the second they start giving the talent, exerting too much control over them, then they, um, open themselves up to being found as employers and then open themselves up to all the expenses that comes with that. So the companies are hoping to strike a middle ground here and they're hoping that this will spread nationwide. If they, if they convince the bluest state of them all, California, to pass this, they can use that as an argument to try to you know spread this nationwide. And they very much do not want to go state to state and replicate the Prop 22 situation and spend tens of million dollars to, to make something like this happen. In the end, was there a good way to gauge where Uber and Lyft drivers fell on this in terms of their support? You know, that's a great question. There, there weren't very many independent polls. I mean, the companies did their own polling that showed that something like 80% of drivers wanted to stay independent. But the companies sort of... Um, what do you call that? Salted the water? I mean, they they told the drivers, you know, if you become employees, you won't have any independence, you'll have to work full time or quit. So that might have influenced how the drivers felt about it. Um, the Rideshare Guy, which is an independent media operation, also did surveys, which also found about the same thing. But, you know, not so coincidentally, the breakdown among drivers is that about 80% of them drive very, very part time. And about 20% of them drive more than 30 to 40 hours a week and are more like full-time. So it could very well be those very part-time drivers, they didn't see any benefit to them in being an employee because they just want to come and go as they, they felt like it. And those full-time drivers did understand the benefit to them. Um, and, and so those were the 20% of drivers who supported Prop 22, according to these polls. It's very possible that more than 20% of drivers supported it too. But the, as I said, these polls, we don't have a really... Um, 
independent benchmark. And finally, just in the in the in the very long term, obviously this might be fought again and revisited. But in in the very long term, at some point the the fares that we see when we ride Uber, which can be quite low, are probably going to go up, right? I mean, they've been absolutely somewhat subsidized by by these low fares. Right, they've been subsidized by venture capitalists. Um, you know, basically every time you get a cheap ride, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia is paying for it, who, who is one of their investors, is helping to pay for that ride. And, but that can't go on indefinitely. I mean, they still do have fairly um, deep cash reserves, but they know that they're going to have to um, slowly increase fares or, or quickly. Increase, you know, they, they have to be sustainable at some point. So um, the, the ultra cheap fares cannot last forever. All right, Carolyn Saeed, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle reporter Carolyn Saeed, to Taya Francesca Price for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>